0: Hey, Senda.
1: Hey, Phil.
0: You want to do a grab bag episode?
1: Didn't I just say that last week?
0: And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil.
1: And I am your other host, Senda. And for tonight's topic, it's another grab bag night. And that's not because we're lazy, but it is because in a few weeks we're going to the QCC and we'll see, hopefully, a bunch of you there. But in order to have an episode ready to drop on September the 10th, uh, we needed to record twice tonight. And if we did two full episodes, Phil would die. Or instead of me, like, sitting on the floor with giant anime tears coming out of my eyeballs, it would be Phil. Sitting on the floor with giant anime tears coming out of his (laughs) eyeballs. So instead, we're going to do two grab bags in a row tonight. So you're hearing one of them now. And then the other one you're going to hear on September 10th after QCC.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like time travel. Uh huh. mm -hmm. So uh, let's not waste any more time. And let's jump into our first topic. Eric Farmer on Twitter asks, So how do you make your NPCs seem real? Corollary, how do you make your players want to smooch your NPCs?
1: I have I have so many feels about this. Like, uh huh, sure. The smooching part is really important to me.
0: Yeah, um, let me talk about making them real, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a couple quick tips for making NPCs real. Uh, I think probably the two that jump out at me are your NPCs should be flawed and imperfect. Mm-hmm. So no, like Baron von Badass, right? Like that has no flaws that has no quirks or no weaknesses or anything like that. Like the best NPCs have those human imperfections, right? And, our, and, and characters can pick up on that, right? Players will pick up on those imperfections. Um, and it's often those imperfections that uh, will trigger some sort of empathy or connection to, a, to an NPC. So flawed yep. and imperfect goes a long way. Uh, The other thing is your NPC's motivations need to make sense. And when I say make sense, I don't mean make sense because that's how you want the story to go. But in other words, if you want your NPC to be angry at their employer, you want them to take revenge on their employer, then what you need to do is you need to work their motivations such that they have reason to be angry at their employer to take said revenge um, yes. because what off, because what often happens is if players start to like an NPC and start to connect to them, they clearly want to know what 's going on with them, so whether they 're friends with them or enemies with them right like if they 've connected to them, they kind of want to know what 's going on and if their motivations don 't make sense, it becomes jarring for us right It creates a dissonance that actually kind of messes us up. As players right because we're like well why why are they doing that it's stupid right like who would do something like that or that doesn't even make sense like why would they even be mad at those people and as soon as that happens like it's kind of muddled it's kind of mucked up the waters so to speak and so you kind of like lose everything that you got out of making them compelling by personality so you want them i don't want to sound contradictory but you want them to be flawed and imperfect but they need really good and clear motivations.
1: Yeah. I don't think that that's contradictory.
0: Good. Tell me about smoochable.
1: Uh, Yeah. Smoochable. There's one thing we have to talk about before we can really talk about smooching at the table with NPCs. And that is consent. You have to have the consent of your players to be kind of running that kind of game and you have to have um you know the social contract slash table expectations that say this is the kind of game i'm running i expect smooches to be included are we all cool with that right and
0: yeah yeah, it's actually really good i'm glad you you said that because i'm um i'm in the process of putting together this game for queen city conquest that's called um long live the queen that's Mm -hmm. all about these all women spies
1: there could totally be smooching.
0: There could be a lot of smooching, right? There and really
1: could, yeah. I,
0: I really need to make sure that, like, I set that as a, I, I establish that level of consent when we start, because yes. uh, one could easily use smooching and/or more than smooching as a tactic in this game. So yes, I really absolutely. do need to make sure that that's an on the table and not a like suddenly arises kind of thing. Thank you, thank you yes. for reminding me about consent.
1: Yes, you're very welcome. Um, So then secondly, now we're actually talking about making the NPCs into people that we want to smooch. And I think the first part is to make them realistic so that we can empathize with them and, you know, form attachments, right? But for romance, you also have to have a couple of other things like compatibility. So the NPC has to be compatible with the PC that you want to smooch them, Mm -hmm. right? Because if they don't have a reason to get on and, like, connect with each other, then they won't.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, they could have, like, a similar hobby or something.
1: Right. They have to have something that they can connect over mm-hmm. as characters, right? Yeah, And absolutely. then you also have to give them the opportunity to find that thing and, like, develop that thing and then give them a place to be in that is conducive to the smooching. Sure. And then there also needs to be a spark, so the spark is the thing that tips the scales from inaction to action. So you have to have that thing that's going to push it over from, oh gosh, I think they really like each other to, I need to kiss this character.
0: Like a confession of uh, something that maybe one of them like held secret and decided to like suddenly tell the other one.
1: Yeah, right? So if the NPC like, suddenly is like, I really like you or something, you know, while they sit, while the sun sets on the beach and there are dolphins leaping through the water or whatever it is, you've set a scene. There's like, hopefully a connection that you've created. And then there's a spark and you're either going to have successfully set it up and smooches will occur or the opposite, which is possibly equally as dramatic Smooches will not occur, and your PC will have to walk away from that situation and destroy that relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is also very entertaining. So, honestly, I feel like as long as you have consent of the table and everybody knew what they were getting into, like, you can't really go wrong.
0: <laughs> Compatibility, opportunity, and spark. Spark.
1: On to our next question. I just lingered there on the smooching for a while, but... Carlos the Butter Droid on Twitter asked us, "Hey pandas, I might be playing in some convention one shots this month. Can
0: I wait? Which can I, I pause you for a second? I think based on the age of this thing, Carlos has already played a whole bunch right. of one shots. He but anyway, played We're them... just we're just bringing we're just like we we, we took this out of mothballs. <laughs> all right. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like when when was when is this from? Is this from like six
0: months I, I, ago? We or don't something? put da- we don't keep years? dates on them. Right. So it's like, been a while. This ago. is like
1: Gen Con last year. Uh-huh. Like
0: right. All right. By this Carlos. point, by this this point carlos is like one of the best players at any game table ever like no help from us whatsoever sorry right, Carlos. right right
1: sorry carlos but we'll just throw it out there because maybe some other people are wondering the same thing all right so hey pandas i might be playing in some convention one shots this month which i haven't done often what can a player do to get the most out of the session and hopefully enhance the experience for others i'm more used to campaigns but tips there are also welcome thanks
0: yeah so we get this question a lot, especially when we do panels at conventions, right People mm-hmm. often ask us about like what it takes to be a good what it takes to be a good player right yeah. and and if you know especially at conventions, what does it take to be a good convention player mm-hmm. uh, so over the years, we've talked about this in different forms we've talked about it in part on different episodes, so we're going to distill five i think probably key things that will make you an awesome player like if you take these five things and master these you will be an awesome player at uh every table that you play at
1: shockingly there are only five not eight
0: correct i mean we could find three more but these five will get you through these are the
1: important ones (laughs) there are probably eight but these are the five we know
0: yeah so tell me the first one
1: right the first one is the one that as a gm i am just the most grateful for when people do it which is take the hook Here is the plot hook. I have put the juiciest worm ever on this plot hook. Please, please just take the hook. I know how obvious it is that it's there, but this is a one shot and I do not have time to try to cajole you and beg you to like actually play the game that you signed up for. Just take the hook. Take it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, and what we mean by the hook is if you, um, if the GM has done their job, And written up the description of the adventure the hook is already in the the write-up like before you get to the table you should know what's going on explore haunted mansion check well let's explore haunted mansion
1: rescue
0: rescue the prince rescue the prince from the pirate queen check we'll go it's a rescue mission don't come to the table having read what it's about or get to the table and hear what the hook is and try to go in a different direction right like not that the GM won't be able to accommodate you, but it helps the GM greatly if you just go in that direction. Take the hook. All right. So that's Take number it. one. Uh, number two, find ways to pull the other players into what you're doing. So if you wind up with the spotlight and you're alone, don't be alone. Like, yeah. Like... Even if it starts that way, figure out who else at the table could be in this scene with you. That would make it better because being in a scene by yourself is almost never as good as being in a scene with somebody else. True. So do your best to figure out who at the table would fit best in the scene and just ask if you can pull them in. So maybe you give them a phone call and you bring them in. Maybe you just, you know, maybe they teleport in whatever it is, but if you can get them in the scene, uh, Get them in the scene.
1: Yeah, which goes hand in hand with the next one, which is know when to use the spotlight and when to pass it off, right? So you can help the GM with uh, sharing that spotlight around the table. It is one of the things that actually I think for me takes some of the most cognitive load is to kind of juggle making sure that everybody is getting the spotlight around the table. It's super duper helpful when players pass it to each other, right? Mm Mm-hmm when you really collaboratively just pass it around, it's really, really helpful. Um, Not that the story and everything isn't going to go if you don't do that, but it will land on me to turn to that player and bring them into the game. And that's something that you as another player can do. You can pass the spotlight to them. You can say, I'm going to set this up um, for you. Like, here's this really cool thing. How are you going to take it from there? Or you can say, hey, can you come in and like set up the bomb? I'm like, I've made the space for it or whatever, right? Like create ways that you are working together as a team without the gm forcing it on you
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely
1: share the spotlight
0: uh next one up is help the gm and and i mean help the gm like physically right so like see if the gm needs a drink help move minis around on the table like often when you play convention games you get those like big like huge Yeah, Yeah. those, you know, eight to ten person round tables. Like, you can't hit. Like, it's hard from where you're sitting to always reach the middle of the table. Like, help with that. Like, offer to move minis around. Or, like, if you're doing Savage Worlds, like, do the thing where you shuffle one of the initiative decks while the other one's in play. Yep. Or even, like, as the initiative changes, like, collect all those cards up. Like, there are, like, again, of all the things the GM's doing, physically managing the table is part of the game. And if the game has a lot of physical components, like Savage Worlds or Fate, then the GM's got a bunch of other things they're doing besides running the story. So like in like in a Fate game, offer to wipe the dry erase cards with the aspects on them. Keep your GM hydrated, offer them some snacks, something like that. It helps. It helps the GM greatly. And what's our last tip?
1: The very last one is if you know the game... You can offer to help anyone out at the table who does not. It is a convention. People don't necessarily only play games that they know. In fact, it's a really, really good place to learn games that you don't know. The only caveat to this, so it's really great because it it can take the weight of both training and helping and telling the story off the GM and share it around a little bit. The only caveat here is don't assume by looking at anyone that they don't know the game, right? I am a, a, a woman, who is very femme, and I sit down at a table, and if you assume that I don't know whatever game we're sitting down to play, I can definitely take that the wrong way. But it's super useful if you say, hey, have you played this game before? Basically, you can check in on knowledge levels, and you don't have to single anybody out. You can be like, hey, have you guys all played this game before? Like, whatever, you know, figure that stuff out. Ask. Just ask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just Uh, ask. To go along with that, don't alpha game. Politely, yeah. So if if you do, if somebody does offer to take your advice, don't do their turn for them. Yeah. Like, show them the mechanics. Don't. Don't make the decisions. (laughs) Don't teach them all the tactics, especially in a one shot. But do explain, like, this is what you roll to hit a person. Don't explain, like, well, what you should do is move your character 15 feet to the right so that you pick up this bonus.
1: Yeah, no, through that.
0: there's a fine art to doing that. And in a campaign game, I would say, sure, coach up players and teach them tactics and things like that. But in a one shot, just help them with the rules, just so it makes the the game go further. And so that you don't kind of crowd them and make, like make them feel like you're making their decisions for them.
1: So it's really important that everybody at the table has agency, that their characters have agency to do whatever they want them to do. Because if your character doesn't have agency in a game, Super boring to play. You just sit there and watch somebody else move your stuff around for you. Mm -hmm. That is no fun.
0: It's not even no fun. It's bad.
1: It's super awful. It's
0: super bad. And let me just say, because this has happened, one, it's super bad. And two, if you're a dude and you're doing that to, to, like, I mean, if you're doing it to anyone, it's bad. But if you're a dude and doing that to a woman... There's like a whole or, other set of connotations that right, go or on any any or other person marginalized of, yeah, person exactly. yeah yep Like, um,
1: just it's it it has a whole lot of other cultural baggage that goes with it, yep don't do it
0: don't do it it it's it's dickish to do no it's dickish to do regardless of who the person is, yes. but know that it also has a whole bunch of cultural stuff tied up into it when it's done, so again, offer to teach rules don't teach tactics. That is what, like that is the line that most alpha gamers cross is like they they lose focus and they're like, they go from, okay, so what you want to do is you want to roll the four fate dice and add your skill bonus and then see if you're over the difficulty, right? That is teaching you the rules. Yeah. The okay, what you need to do right now is you need to create an advantage. You should create an advantage that's called like sand in the eyes. And then on your next turn, what we're going to do is we're going to have you cash in that created advantage and like, and do that. Don't do that part. If you yeah. want to show somebody tactics, do it with your character. Yes. So be like, okay, uh, on my turn, I'm going to create an advantage called um, sand in the eyes and then, like, you can turn to the other player and be like, see, the thing I'm doing right here is I'm going to create this advantage so that I get an invoke so that on, on, on my next turn, I'm going to cash this invoke in and I'm going to add another plus two to this roll. Like, or if, you, even- if you show by example, mm-hmm. that is the better way to teach tactics. Don't put your hand on somebody's character and do that. Show by example. Okay. Yep. I, think we've, I think we've... There's a last yes. warning to this. Some people do not want people to teach them the game they just want to Mm -hmm. experience it and learn it so Mm -hmm. if you are like hey i'm super experienced at this game and the person's like oh no uh, i'm not but it's cool i just want to like i just want to pick it up as we play be like that's cool okay thanks yeah like no problem you
1: you have to accept that no is a valid answer Mm -hmm. whether the person knows the game or not
0: yeah so that last one (laughs) that last one
1: that last one is a big package of
0: it can be a big help Yes. But if done wrong, it is a it's major something. mess at the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think yeah. we've said enough on that. One. Oof, that's a good one.
1: Good. That was a lot. Yeah. We could. We do a whole. We could do a whole show. We do a whole show on that. that one. Yeah. No, I don't even think we should. Anyway. No. That's so fine. moving right along.
0: <laughs> moving right along. Game designer Jonathan Lavalli asks on Twitter, "What about running cyberpunk games as one-shots versus campaigns?"
1: so in order to frame this question we're going to kind of review what's important in a one-shot versus a campaign so you can like pick out the specific things in cyberpunk that work best in a one-shot versus in a campaign so a one-shot as we have said before this is gonna be a quick rundown of the ways that we have previously defined one-shots a lot right so forgive me for repeating myself a bunch a one-shot is or should be the most important moment in this character's life. So it needs to highlight what makes that character cool or your group of characters cool. It needs to highlight key parts of the setting that make it entertaining to play in. It needs to tell a story that has a beginning and an end and a middle and a muddle, depending on how you do it. You know, we did one about stories. And you can can lean pretty heavily on tropes because you need to shorthand things to make stuff happen.
0: Hmm. So in a one shot for cyberpunk games, have characters using all the cyber stuff, right? Cybernetics, cyberspace, drones, guns, like all like all of that stuff hit all the major setting components. Right. So things about streets and corporations and cyberware and hacking mm-hmm. um, and and and, you know, things like that. For your stories, go with all the iconic ones, right? The, there are four iconic cyberpunk stories. I'm sure there's more, but I'm just going <laughs> to... Fraser. not... <laughs> uh, Fraser's We'll have uh, some sort of argument about this, but I'm going to stand by this. Four iconic uh, stories. <laughs> the first one is the break-in slash theft uh, mm-hmm. story, much like Case in the first part of Neuromancer, where they break in to steal the Dix-McCoy rom-construct. That's a great one. Another one is the corporate extraction. So we see this in Count Zero uh, where Turner steals the guy from uh, Moss Biolabs and turns out like there's a twist and it's not the guy. But that's more about that story. But anyway, the corporate extraction is where um, you take somebody personnel from one corporation and bring them to another corporation. Uh, An assassination, right? Like this is, you know, we're going to go kill a person. This is a, you know, this is a pretty straight up big cyberpunk kind of thing. It often involves overcoming defenses, creating ambushes, things like that. Uh, And the last one is the courier job. This is the Johnny mnemonic, right? We got to take something and get it from point A to point B, whether it's data, whether it's a person, that kind of thing. Those are very iconic stories, and they make great one-shots. And so just lean, like, like, like Senda said about the tropes, lean right into lean. all the tropes. There's a yep. twist. There's a double cross, right? Like, something isn't what it appears to be. The AI is, you know, making a move to go free. Whatever it is, like, lean right into those. Okay. Okay. That's my cool. one-shot advice.
1: One-shot advice. Line up the campaign.
0: Advice.
1: All right. So a campaign is obviously longer. And the thing that we focus on a, in a campaign is is continuity and change, right? So it's our space to let the story breathe, let the characters breathe. We need to explore the characters, right? Because we're going to find out more about them. We're going to find out why they're doing all this stuff, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to look at the setting in detail and explore it in detail. It needs to tell a story arc from start to finish, meaning we're going to have multiple sessions for the story to start and finish, and it's not going to finish up in one specific setting, right? And it can both use and subvert the tropes themselves.
0: Absolutely. So in a cyberpunk campaign, (coughs) the things we can explore in characters is we can look at, the effect of cyberware on the psyche, right? Sometimes games have mechanics for this, but one of those things we can look at is like what happens as you kind of lop parts of you off and replace it with cold, you know, with chrome and and uh, silicone. We can look at how relationships change through technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of see this already—the beginnings of this in our own society. But what does it mean to have a relationship when somebody's an AI? and somebody's human? Or what if you've only ever met in cyberspace and never met in person? Is that enough for a relationship? Look at the negative effects of corporate control, right? Like we can look at the, you know, the cyberpunk is often capitalism, you know, uh, gone on a drunken bender. So we can take a look at that. What does that mean to people on the streets when corporations have just, you know, are kind of running amok trying to make profits? Uh, And we just talked about our relationships with artificial intelligences, but we can have all sorts of interactions with artificial intelligences because they're really interesting because they're not human. Yeah. Um, And so it gives us a chance in sci-fi to have that not human experience. So, you know, this is an alien mind, even though we've created it ourselves and it, you know, was born, you know, out of stuff that we made it is alien in that it doesn't actually think like us or value what we value, and so um, you can get into some really interesting things. Um, Gibson's, you know, Gibson dabbles with this in both Neuromancer and Count Zero. These ideas about artificial intelligences. Okay, uh, setting components. Uh, so we can dig in deeper now, right? So. Before, where we talked about corporations, we can now dig into something deeper like corporate cultures. like Because yeah. uh, we can focus on a corporation. We can talk about what life is like inside that corporation, especially if some of the characters had defected from it. Uh, we can get deeper into street life. So uh, our characters will probably be living uh, at the street level. So we can really get into what street life is like. Um, We look at the juxtaposition of those two things. Like, what is it, you know, what is it like when, um, you know, you have a corporate arcology that is, you know, like this near, you know, this near paradise yet under corporate control and just outside of it is, you know, blasted, you know, shell of a, you know, of, of a former neighborhood. We can look at pollution and climate change, right? Corporations, going, corporations running amok are probably not going to worry about pollution. Um, so what does that mean? Uh, and we can look at orbital life. What, what happens as corporations um, reach beyond Earth uh, and start to extend into, um, into near orbit? Um, and, what is that, um, and what does that wind up being like? As for story arcs? Our story arcs, we can get into bigger things like corporate takeovers and, and corporate wars. Like corporate takeover can be a, like a really great story arc. This is, you know, kind of like a fantasy um, line of secession kind of thing, right? Like something happens and the CEO is dead and who's going to be the next CEO and, you know, various um, factions fighting amongst themselves. Uh, we can talk about street level activism, So we can talk about rallying the people to fight the corporations, right, to stick it to the man. Those are great story arcs about, like, you know, can a group of scrappy street-level hackers take down a corporation or, uh, you know, a head of a corporation or something like that. Uh, And we can talk about, you know, like, we can talk about runners um, trying to escape the life, like, Running, you know, being like a, like a deck cowboy or a street samurai, like that's a job with a, with a clock on it. Like you will die or burn out. So, um, how many more jobs can you do before you get out? And when we talk about doing one last job, cha-ching! it must be time for us to transfer all our new yen to the orbital bank accounts, grab a shuttle and head to the floating casino. But before we end this transmission, Senda's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network.
1: Sure. On the Gnomecast, several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about a gaming topic and themselves a bit in an effort to avoid being thrown in the stew and to entertain you.
0: Awesome. Hey, Senda. If you got one of those uh, Twitter thingies or Facebook Mm -hmm. thingies, uh, what's the way you reach us on social media?
1: You can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information?
0: Please, please, please send your topics. Um, Pretty please. As it turns out, I was checking the topic list to get the episodes ready for tonight. It's, It's getting kind of bare on the shelves. We're going to need to have a fun – we're going to need to have a like a PBS-like drive for new (laughs) topics. Um, That's coming up soon, I think. We're going to be on the Twitters looking for topics. Anyway, please send us your topics. We love to talk about the things that you are interested in us talking about. um, And we love talking about them with each other and with you. So, please, more and more topics. Say, Senda, what's the other thing people can do with our social media that's uh, pretty cool that we love to see?
1: Well, you can send us your table selfies. So if you're going to be at a convention this week, there are lots of them coming up. Sit down at that table with those cool peeps. See if it's okay. Snap a table selfie. We want to see what you guys are playing and what awesome conventions you are attending. Hashtag at table selfie and post it on the social media of your choice. Twitter is the easiest place for us to see that. And we will swing by and like it.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed. If you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the campaign get all sorts of goodies, access to our Slack room for life, the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a bunch of other goodies. And I can tell you that I was talking to Chris and our top-level patrons might be getting a little treat uh, come the first week of September. Ooh. Just saying... Something wow, might I, be, I don't
1: even know what it is yet. That something seems might like a be. Secret.
0: Well, something might be coming out the first week of September, and our patrons may get it first digitally.
1: Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh huh.
0: So, anyway, the other thing we like to do is we like to embarrass ourselves by mangling people's names <laughs> uh, as we do shout-outs, But I feel fairly confident tonight. Uh huh. Um, confident enough that I am going to set you loose on all three of these. Are you ready?
1: Yep. Here we go. Christopher Gray, the spy master of MMP. Thank you, Christopher. James Sweetland. Thank you so much, James. And Matthew Petrozelli, Thank you so much, Matthew.
0: Say, Senda, if you are already patroning the show or unable to patron the show, which is perfectly fine, what's the thing that you can do that a number of people did since last week? Well, um,
1: no, I just discovered that we weren't seeing the international ones
0: oh anyway what's the <laughs> thing that people can do that makes us oh so so happy
1: well you can leave us a rating or review on apple podcast or the podcatcher of your choice because every new review really does actually help new people find the show and we have to send a thank you to um blake ryan batman and to james fellows who left us reviews in australia that we never knew about because australian itunes didn't tell us they were very exciting
0: Anyway. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. awesome. Say, Senda, how are you going to create the spark for your next NPC?
1: This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Got, ay, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Ay, show, me what you got ay, show me
0: what you got. Show me what you got. Ay, show, me what you got ay, show me what you got. Show me what you got. It's the click of clicks. It's the click that starts the show. It's the clicks that make the pandas go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to Wow. Be some- That's going to need some more lyrics.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting there, though. (laughs) He's drinking. Sorry. I don't know if you heard that large clunk. That was the metal straw. That's the metal
0: straw. (laughs) You know, if somebody wants to send a panda a a silicone straw, I'll I'll use it. I just haven't gotten around to, like, ordering my own.
1: I'm going to be ordering you silicone straws in the next few days.
0: Save your editing.
1: Yes, exactly. Just they <laughs> It can't be that expensive. I've got prime.
0: Just <laughs> like just the straws, not the um Just the straw. The we
1: don't need a cup. Bloop.
0: So um nonlinear podcast time, like we're recording two episodes in a row. Two episodes oh, yeah. that are not coming oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're not on the same out in a dates, <laughs> so right. it's, uh, But yeah, this at, is
1: an A show.
0: <laughs> this is definitely an A show. But we're doing something that we've never done before because normally when we have to do like shows for cons, we usually do it last minute, and it's uh-huh. like we record Ugh. like the one that's gonna. We record on the week before the con. We record the one that has to go the Monday of the con week, and then that weekend you have to like rush and get the other one done for the Monday Frankly. after con week. Yes, um, but but we are we are smart um uh-huh. <laughs> and we are 2 weeks out and we're actually going to record the second episode so that you actually have some like actual time to get that yeah. one edited yeah um and queued up and th- that's not also the week you have to pack and uh quit your job and like well, I mean of- I'm not
1: I'm not quitting. Well, you have
0: to leave though, right? Like, so that whole yeah, like, I have that, to
1: pack up all my stuff. Yeah, that
0: last week get is the CTFO. Yeah, like that last week is shot. Like everything after Labor yeah. Day is spent.
1: It's, it's just dead, right? Yeah.
0: So, yep. <laughs> so for that, uh, we're being proactive, staying up late. I'm drinking a ton of iced coffee in the middle of the night, and mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna blast through uh, two uh, two episodes.
1: An A show and a B show.
0: Man, nothing could go wrong. Like Nothing, nothing could
1: possibly nothing go, could go wrong. wrong. <laughs> yep. You know the most important thing I did today?
0: You accepted your new job offer.
1: I accepted a job offer. Congratulations. I'm very excited about super it. Super exciting. It's super cool and they're super cool people and I'm happy that they offered me a job because I really wanted them to. So, yeah. I mean, they made
0: good. you a job.
1: They kind of made me a job. They kind of didn't have that headcount, and they kind of made me that headcount. And that feels pretty damn good. I'm I mean, not going to lie. They
0: interviewed you for a position they had already filled. I know. They still brought you in to interview you and then were and then interviewed you twice and we're like, wait, but don't worry, we're gonna just we'll make a position. We're
1: just we're just gonna find a place for you. I'm like that's that's yes, that's where I wanna work.
0: Uh-huh. I mean agree. you wanna you wanna work in a place where they're eager to uh to have you there.
1: I agree. And yeah. and has max. Yeah, yeah, I mean that uh helps extremely as well.
0: And kombucha in the office.
1: Bloop! Like, let's go get some while we're at QCC or something. Like, let's try it together because then two things, right? Like, I can steer you towards one that I think will probably taste good. And secondarily, I can taste it and tell you if it tastes like the kind that I really enjoy out here because they brew their own. And then, like, it comes in cans. It doesn't come in bottles, like, because it's, like, fizzy and stuff, you know. So I'm always, when I look at the bottles, I'm always like, but is it fizzy?
0: I mean, beer comes in bottles and it's fizzy.
1: I know, but they're not shaped like fizzy bottles. They're shaped like Snapple bottles.
0: That's true. I don't know if the bottle <laughs> shape actually determines whether it's fizzy or not. I'm pretty sure, regardless of physics, that if the CO2 concentration is higher on the inside of the liquid than it is the outside, it, re- it remains fizzy. But sure, okay.
1: But you know, for fizzy things like soda and beer and everything, they have like the long, tall neck and then the bloopy at the bottom, right? The what? The bloopy at the bottom. It goes wide. It's got shoulders.
0: Okay. Now you, you're just you making could, up words. You
1: could you could hang a suit on that bottle.
0: Uh, yeah. Bloop.
1: It's best off the tap in the tap room where okay, they made well, it.
0: Well, okay. Well, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not getting that. So, I'm a short, snob. <laughs> of, short of that snobby McSnobberson. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a couple bottles of that and I'm going to get the... Um, the Chicago Cheez It mix.
1: Oh man, that seems like a actually a reasonable combination. Sure.
0: Sure, we'll get some cheap kombucha and some some Chicago mixed Cheez Its, and that's it. And we'll just hold up in the hotel room, and you know, play games until we die.
1: Until we die. I'm never coming
0: back to the real world ever. Bloop. All right, we gotta roll. We gotta make a show.
1: Yeah, let's do a show. I don't know if any of that was funny, but oh, no, there's the some D funny parts we'll in there. For it. There's some fun sure. parts. Good, good. Andy right. went and bought a bunch of American Girl doll stuff because that's what she does.
0: How How did that just get into the end? <laughs>
1: Those Toys R Us.
0: Did she buy it at Toys R Us?
1: Yes, because oh, they had it going on a closed. business sale. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, when you say it like that, it totally makes sense. Otherwise, it just sounded like some weird interjection, <laughs> like just, super random. like just waited and just like Andy bought a whole bunch of <laughs> you know American Girl doll clothes. Like why? Why are you telling me this? Okay, but no, no, it makes sense. It's
1: life or death. Life or death. Bloop.
0: I'm drinking Tim Tim Hortons dark roast iced coffee. I mean, I made it my iced coffee, but it's a Tim Hortons dark roast. What are you drinking?
1: Um, I'm drinking a combination of berry black iced tea and uh, lemon laqua. Because watered I was down,
0: the feeling lacroix. weird because <laughs> it wasn't watered down enough.
1: No, 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 no! I watered down the tea to make it a little bit fizzy. As if it were kombucha, because I really want, just wanted kombucha and I didn't have any.
0: Oh boy! <laughs> I'm gonna right. go
1: back up to Happy Leaf with my growler and have them fill her up.
0: All right, start. Oh, I start the show this time. Yes, right. that's so, why shush. I was
1: meowing at you.
0: <coughs> yes, meow. 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 Bloop. Hey, Senda. <laughs> I burped. <laughs> Damn it. See, that's what happens when you have fizzy drinks. That is exactly what happens. As soon as you said La Croix, I was like, damn it. This is how this is what's gonna happen tonight. We got two shows to record and you have to pick and you have to pick a fizzy drink tonight. Jeez. Anyway, it's, a good thing I picked, it's a good thing I picked iced coffee for coffee. mine so I could be up all night. We kinda did you, need to. Did you
1: update the script or are we okay?
0: I was kind of ad libbing. <laughs> send it just goes on never's on the script
1: no but i was no i was ad-libbing
0: i was ad-libbing too
1: i know it was funny
0: i think it's less funny now that we realize we both ad-libbed
1: what did you think i was doing i don't know anyway
0: if you want the story to go in a certain way you need to have their motivations such that it makes sense that that's the way the story goes, right? Does that let me see if I can use let's see if I can say that again <laughs> without using the word sense a bunch of times. <laughs> so, Bloop. which by the way, if you're playing fate and you're not using dry erase cards with aspects, you are a monster and are killing the environment. So, oh, shit.
1: um, <laughs> I'm don't, so sorry, don't
0: I have them? Do you need some? Do you have spares? Yeah, I've got spares. I got (laughs) spares. I'll give you some spares. Don't. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Anyway. um... (laughs) Show me what you got. I almost started singing the after show song instead of our song. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Don't do do. Do, 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 that. 47 minutes.
1: I know. We're going to stop recording now. We love you. Say
0: goodbye. Bye. And.